Hello, my friends. How are you this week? Are you frustrated? Working hard? Tired? Lonesome? Desperate? I too am all these things, and yet I can't really understand why. Because it's not me. I've been living in this beautiful, ornate stronghold of a tower. I've been living with my love, who is every day growing stronger and more his old, ambitious self. I've been planning for the hard work ahead. Perhaps even the great war that will inevitably come. And yet, why do I feel so exhausted and afraid? It's her, you see. More and more I see her. Sometimes in my mirror, sometimes in my mind's eye. She waits, and she watches me from afar. I don't even think she knows about this. Doesn't know what she's doing to me. Perhaps it is revenge for me not stopping to see how she is what she needs, what she wants. Why would I care? I am the one having these dark adventures, with centuries' worth of stories, with ghosts and shadows and ghouls and monsters to spare. Yes, of course she watches me and writes about me. It would be foolish not to. What have I to write about her? Who is she? Who is she to demand attention? Nothing. Nothing at all. Of no consequence, I don't think. I'm sorry, my dear friend, it is confusing. I speak often of being confused, but one can be confused and determined at the same time. Focused, bent on achieving one's goal. Have you ever been at odds with yourself? Is there more than one side of yourself, and each of those sides wants a different thing? And, self-centered creatures that we are, we cannot for the life of us figure out how to satisfy ourselves. Despicable. Despicable and decadent. Anyway, I don't think I want to talk about it anymore. I don't know what she wants or why she has the ability to make me stop and take pity on her. I don't want to. I will, soon, but not yet. For now, I've got a story about another woman at odds with herself. Once, long ago, though it doesn't really matter when, a lady lived alone in a little cottage. This cottage was on its own, seemingly abandoned in the middle of a moorland, surrounded by a huge expanse of low grasses and rolling plains with very little vegetation. She had a small farm from which she survived. She did not live here alone because she was poor and had no other choice. She lived here alone because she was very rich, and she had been very hurt because of it. You see, when she was a young heiress first entering society on her own, 
She was doing so without the guidance of her beloved parents, who had died before guiding her through the world and its cruelties. She was on her own, and she tried to live in a city. She had tried to entertain suitors, throw grand parties, become the talk of the town. She had even succeeded. She was a prized commodity in her community, though she was blind to the true reason why. Money, 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 it was all about. And she would learn this lesson the hard way upon becoming engaged to a wolf in disguise. A rake who intended to take her for everything she had. She had fallen deeply in love with him, or rather the illusion he had presented her with. And he had been in love with her fortune and her grand home and other women. To make a long story short, and so to carry on with the real story, she had learned a harsh lesson and decided early on that love was a lie and that money was a curse. She donated her grand home to serve as an orphanage. She took everything of importance to her, which was not that much, and she left for the little cottage, and she thought to mend her broken heart. And now ten years had passed by and her heart was nothing close to being mended. It was full of bitterness, full of anger, full of sadness and betrayal. Every day it tore her up from the inside out and filled her mind with hate. And every night, as she sat on her porch and watched the sun setting on the moors, she saw, inexplicably, a woman standing in the distance, silhouetted in the light, staring back at her wearing all white. And she would remain until night fell. And the lady in the cottage couldn't be sure if she left or disappeared at that point, or if she was merely cloaked in the darkness of the night, still standing and watching her until morning. At first it frightened her. She tried to shout to the woman. She tried to walk up to her and speak with her. But she somehow maintained the same distance from the lady, despite the fact that she never moved a muscle. She never knew the woman's face or any details about her, just that she watched her every evening at sunset. Her door was secure. Her home was safe. She was confident in this. One night, as she left her porch and the woman on the horizon to go back inside and prepare for bed, she heard a small clinking sound. Her engagement ring. It had fallen somehow from the mantelpiece. She picked it up and looked at it for an hour, thinking. Closure. Satisfaction. Revenge. She was craving these things. Somehow, these days, her time of mourning had passed, and now she dreamed of something more satisfying. It was, however, too late for her to do anything. It would take weeks for a message to be delivered to her gentleman rake from so far away. And she didn't know where he lived now. Best to leave it alone, she thought. Best to forget. And as she thought these thoughts, the wind howled across the plains and over to her house and threw open the windows, 
and it almost sounded like someone was crying in the distance. Almost. She shut the windows. She went to sleep. She tried to forget. Forget about him, forget about everything. Just live out her days in peace and quiet. Another week went by, yet it seemed that the woman on the hill was a little closer these days. In fact, she seemed to be a little, just slightly, closer to the cottage every night. The lady could never catch her arriving or walking to her spot. She would just be there. No matter. One night, however, the following week, the rain was pouring, and she had been inside all day, sitting in her little chair by the fire, staying warm. She turned her head towards the window, where she saw the woman in white, standing perhaps only thirty feet or so away from the cottage, soaked from standing in the rain, her hair in shreds of a white veil, sopping wet, obscured her face. The woman stood, opened the window and shouted, Come inside! Come inside and get warm! But the woman didn't budge, and there was a knock at the door. The woman jumped at the sound, such a foreign sound to her these days occasionally checking from the window that the woman in white was still standing there, which she was. The lady slowly walked to the door and unlatched a few locks, and she opened it just a little and looked out to see who it was. It was him. The one who broke her heart, the rake. Ten years older, though he looked twenty years older. Drenched, his clothes in tatters and stained. Poor. Wretched. She let him in, let him sit by the fire, while she stood and watched him suspiciously, thinking about what she could possibly say to this person. I'm sorry, was the first thing out of his lips. She listened to him talk, his eyes frenzied, his words shaking and confused. He muttered apologies and professions of true love. He knew better now, he knew how much he'd hurt her, and he realized that he really did love her the whole time, and he never should have treated her so abominably. She said nothing. Could she ever, perhaps, consider taking him back? Starting again. They could marry, they could re-enter society, or stay here, or move somewhere else, anything she wanted, anything. She said nothing. He cried, he begged, he blubbered, and she felt that she should be enjoying this, but she couldn't bring herself to. She walked over to him and she felt her heart begin to soften. The sight of him so pathetic, so contrite. She knelt beside him and wiped a tear. There, there, she whispered and she was about to say something. What? I forgive you? I love you? I've always loved you? 
She couldn't decide, but she felt the urge to comfort him. And as the urge came over her, the windows flew open again, and that sound, that horrible screeching, crying sound, raged through the little house. The man shook and jumped at the sound of it. Placing a hand on his face, the lady whispered, It's just the wind, my love. Just the wind. She stood to shut the windows, and as she did, she realized that the woman in white was gone. She poked her head out of the window, trying to find the woman in the rain, to no avail, and the man on the chair beckoned her to come back. What was she doing, staring out the window? Shut the window, come back. We were talking. Hmm. The lady shut the window, but she paced around a little. What would she do? Come back, the man told her again, not quite beckoning this time. I came all this way, the least you can do is come back and talk to me. His voice was agitated, it seemed, and perhaps impatient. I'm thinking, she told him. Wait. The man stood up and faced her, his eyes full of rage. I've been thinking of nothing but you all week, do you realize that? I've come all the way here, I've paid every day since I left you. You must take me back, we belong to each other. And as he said that, something changed in her eyes. Perhaps the last soft part of her hardened a little. She turned to him and said quietly, No, nothing belongs to you and his face contorted with rage, and he took a step towards her. And just as he did, the wind screamed so loudly, and it battered the walls and the windows, and it was so strong that the door flew open. And, standing in the doorway, was the woman in white. That white dress... It was very familiar. That hair, that tattered veil. Her eyes concealed still, the woman's lips curled into a smile. Rain, or was it tears, dropping down her cheeks. The lady in the cottage walked over to her, and her hand steady, certainly very steady compared to the man by the fire, who was shaking through and through. She lifted the veil. The young woman looking back at her, dark eye makeup smeared around her eyes, which were red from weeping, had the same face as her. But it was her face ten years ago. It was her wedding dress. It was her heartache. And as the wind blew harshly into the house again, the young woman's lips parted and she screamed a horrible, painful howl. The man covered his ears. And the young woman in white took a few steps towards him. I forgive you, my love, the lady in the cottage said. But she has a score to settle. And the lady stepped outside and locked the door.
she mounted the man's horse. She wanted to go back to the city, find a new, vibrant home, meet with friends and family, go out to parties and dinners and events, contribute to society, be alive once more. But before she rode on into the pouring rain, invigorated by the storm, she turned back to the little cottage. And she heard still the howling of the young bride, the crying of the wind, and the screaming of the man, all from within it. And she rode on and away. The woman lived a long and fruitful life, and I met her on more than one occasion. She was curious about the young bride doppelganger that had somehow been born of her fury. I thought I had words of wisdom about the situation. Now I know that everything I knew about the different sides of ourselves, the different us is that exist in the same world that we exist in, is wrong. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the young bride apparition. I don't know anything about myself. And I know far less about the young woman who plagues me more and more now. But, at any rate, good night. To you. And to her. Good night. Good night, narrator. And hello, friends. This is Kristen Zaza, your writer and your podcast friend. I hope you guys are having a nice week. Thanks so much for joining us for episode 34 of On a Dark Cold Night. What am I going to say next? I'll bet you can guess a few easy ways you can help the show. You can listen on the Radio Public app. It's free for you to use, and if you like what I do, it's the easiest way to contribute without paying a penny. As a part of their paid listens program, I receive a little funding for every listen through the app, so if you can listen there, I would really appreciate it. Two, you can write me a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, our Facebook page, or anywhere else you like, really. I will likely be so grateful that I'll give you a social media shout-out and a shout-out on air. Likewise, you can share some nice words about the show on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on our Facebook page. Give us a follow and reach out, I will answer. Three, you can donate on Coffee or Patreon at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Every little bit truly does help. I've got a few big plans coming up for the show, and any financial help I can have with it would be really amazing. Thanks so much, everyone. Take care of yourselves. Sleep well. <laughs>